Alright guys, welcome in to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I am doing a 2019 NFL mock draft today. So, obviously we're a fantasy football podcast, but outside of that, I am also a huge just NFL draft fan in general, and I follow it all the time. Every year I've been reading probably 200-300 articles at least before the draft, and um, so I decided to give you guys my mock draft after about four or five hours last night going from team to team, reading as many articles as possible, and trying to figure out where teams want to place their faith and what players that they will probably be drafting, we're going to give that to you today. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football and on Twitter at Deep Dive FF. All right, and I have my mock draft up on the website also if you want to read along or, or just look at it. It's deepdivefantasyfootball.weebly.com. And so make sure you go there and check it out. So for this mock draft, I'm not doing any trades. I just want to keep it more conventional because it's the first and final mock draft that I'm doing. Um, I will mention where I think trades might happen, though. And with that said, let's get let's get this started. So with the first overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft, the Arizona Cardinals take Kyler Murray. While I'm not entirely sure whether the cards will pull the trigger on Kyler or not, I lean towards them doing so. Two big reasons why is one being that if they were super confident in their quarterback, Josh Rosen, they would be completely denying the idea of drafting Murray and not saying things like we are doing our due diligence or any other nonsense like that. For example, Tampa Bay, who some liked to mock quarterbacks to earlier in the season, have come out 100% and openly fully committed to Jameis Winston. The Cardinals have not done that with Rosen. And it's no secret that they're definitely thinking, at least thinking and considering Kyler Murray. The second thing, Kyler Murray had a meeting with the Redskins, who pick at 15, and he canceled it. A lot of people don't read too much into that, and they think or say that Kyler Murray canceled it because he knows he's not going to be there at 15. Well, let's not pretend like it's not the NFL draft, and teams don't trade up for quarterbacks all the time. So... Kyler, I'm sure him and his agent both know this. So why would he cancel his meeting with the Redskins if they could trade up to get him? Well, the only reason I would see that happening is because he already knows who's picking him, and that's Arizona. He knows that no team is going to trade up for him because he knows Arizona's already going to take him. So that's why I think Kyler's going to the Cardinals. Now, there is a chance that the Cardinals do get the haul that they're looking for for that first overall pick and they probably would be happy to trade back especially because Steve Kahn the GM will not have to openly admit the pick of Josh Rosen being a bust and he gets to just roll with him and hope that Kingsbury can make him look a lot better than he did last year um, but if that happens I still think Kyler Murray's going number one overall regardless second Nick Bosa to the 49ers. Adding Nick Bosa to D Ford, Eric Armstead, and DeForest Buckner, yeah, I think San Francisco would like that. Personally, I would not draft him this high because of injury history, but I completely understand the pick, especially seeing his brother in the NFL already have massive success. It's just the pedigree's there. 
the family history is there. But for me, that injury history scares me. I wouldn't want to take him, especially second overall. But like I said, I get the pick. Um, and really, that that's that. I mean, that's probably the most common mock draft player to a team after Kyler Murray would be Nick Bosa to the 49ers. With the third overall pick, the New York Jets are picking. Uh, I'm having them stay put. Like I said, there's no trades. But here's the thing. Every mock draft has to have a few surprise picks to make it interesting, but also to to increase its chances of being accurate and also doing better against the field of other mock drafts. Well, one of these risky picks is here at three for me. So a lot of people are thinking it's the big three, right? The top three defensive players, Bosa, Allen, and Williams, and that Bosa's gone, so it's going to be Allen or Williams. Well, I want you to think about this. The Jets pick three, and if they had those defensive players as their top three and clearly above the rest of the class, why would they be so determined to trade down? I think because they want Ed Oliver, and they know they can get him later. So since there's no trades in this mock, I'm going to give them Ed Oliver at three, who they may end up getting at three, or more likely will get in a minor trade down, maybe to like five, six. Oh, and Oliver would also be a great player in their defense and is worthy of the pick either way. The Oakland Raiders are picking at four. I have them taking Josh Allen. So, big slip for Quinnen Williams here, but the reason I have Oakland Raiders taking Josh Allen is because he is going to be the replacement for Khalil Mack as much as you can replace Khalil Mack. I mean, let's be real. Um, and that's because edge is a bigger need than defensive tackle. And part of the reason why is because they made a great pick in Maurice Hurst last year. And I think it was the fourth round, which by the way, I was watching him slide. I mean, he was a first rounder touted as a first rounder last year. And he slid because of the, the medical condition concerns with his heart. And just the fact that they got him that late was crazy. I was pounding for my team. To, to take him late when I saw him in those uh those late rounds, but it was a great pick by the Raiders. And because of that, it allows them to swing to Josh Allen, who will help them on the edge since they have two pretty good defensive tackles. With the fifth overall pick in the 2019 NFL mock draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Quinnen Williams. This is the biggest shoe-in pick of the draft. If Quinnen Williams is there, he's the pick. There's no trade back, nothing. No way. Jason Light gets his number one player on the board. And if this happens, definitely expect Gerald McCoy to get traded for pennies on the dollar at some point later on in the draft. If my risky Jets prediction doesn't fall through and they just take Allen or Williams, I expect the Bucks draft order is or draft board order is Josh Allen, then Devin White, then Ed Oliver. And with Allen going to the Raiders either way in my mock, then Devin White would be the pick. But in this scenario, Quinnen Williams is there. The Bucks take him. With the sixth overall pick, the New York Giants select... No, not a quarterback. Linebacker, Devin White. I think there's three players in consideration here. Devin White, Jawan Taylor, and Rashawn Gary. I think the scarcity at the linebacker position along with the intangibles and leadership qualities Devin White brings to the table, makes him the pick. 
The Giants didn't take a quarterback in the quarterback-rich class last year, so I don't think they're going to reach for one here. This quarterback class is a lot weaker than last year's, and there's nobody other than Kyler Murray worth a top 10 pick, in my opinion. Either the quarterback they like will fall to them at 17, or at 17 they'll pick up a pass rusher or a lineman. Lastly, while this is kind of irrelevant, I could see Saquon Barkley and Devin White making each other great, possibly both Hall of Famers, as they are both athletic freaks and will meet each other every day, every play in practice. The the Jacksonville Jaguars at 7 overall take Jawan Taylor. He fits perfectly for their system, and he's also a great player, and that's why he's such a commonly mocked pick for them. He plays on the right side, and that's their biggest need. The Jags need to protect their new quarterback. I don't buy the TJ Hawkinson hype, partly because tight ends drop. TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant are not the prospect equivalent of OJ Howard. If you remember, two years ago, OJ Howard was regarded as a top 10 lock. He fell to 18. Jonah could be a surprise pick here, Jonah Williams, but the rough ground and pound style the Jags run and the fact that Jonah Williams played left tackle is what makes me lean Juwan Taylor. The Detroit Lions at 8 take Rashawn Gary. Ziggy Ansah's future in Detroit is in question, and with an opportunity to get his replacement and one with massive potential, Matt Patricia should be ecstatic with this and a chance to develop a cornerstone defensive piece is there and he should pounce on it 100%. So just a quick review. So far, the top eight picks, Kyler Murray one to the Cardinals, Nick Bosa to the 49ers, Ed Oliver at three to the Jets, Josh Allen at four to the Raiders, Quinnen Williams at five to the Bucks, Devin White to the Giants at six, Jawan Taylor to the Jaguars, and now Rashawn Gary to the Lions at eight. And with the ninth overall pick in the NFL draft, the Buffalo Bills select TJ Hawkinson. The Bills are the hardest pick for me to predict up to this point. They have not used any of the top 30 prospect visits on guys in this pick range still on the board other than Sweat, who I don't see as the pick. I think they want to grab a weapon for Josh Allen, one that is very large. That leads me to DK Metcalf and TJ Hawkinson. I really believe this is the earliest possible for DK Metcalf, in case anybody was wondering. With plenty of speed already on the roster and two new wide receivers in the fold, I don't think they go wide receiver. I think they lean Hawkinson, who's also a good blocker and can help with any offensive line woes. So the Bills take TJ Hawkinson and hope to grow him with their quarterback, Josh Allen, for years to come. With the 10th overall pick, in the NFL draft, the Denver Broncos take Drew Locke. If John Elway wants to stay as the GM in Denver, he needs to find a franchise quarterback pretty soon, and I think he will feel enough pressure to take one here. Drew Locke has been connected to the Broncos a lot, and it makes sense as he's the prototypical tall, good-armed quarterback with some mobility, but not too much. If quarterback isn't the pick, Devin Bush probably is. But Devin Bush makes it to the Bengals at 11. The Bengals are ecstatic. Devin Bush is a perfect fit for them. And while it is a cliche comment, I really feel like when I see Devin Bush, he screams Bengal. It also fills a huge need and the Bengals don't have to trade up. Also, a couple people in the draft community have Devin Bush over Devin White because of his coverage skills. And that is perfect for the team that faces the Steelers twice a year and Baker Mayfield twice a year.
With the 12th overall pick, the Green Bay Packers select Noah Fant. Aaron Rodgers needs weapons, period. Devontae Adams is great, as us fantasy players know, but there aren't any standouts after that. There are good role players with Geronimo Allison and the now sophomore receivers, but nobody the defense has to game plan for. The Packers grab Noah Fant here and form a formidable offense with Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and now Noah Fant. Fant is as fast as most receivers and is 6'3". I thought about DK Metcalf here, but he is raw, and the Packers take the sure thing. With the three defensive, the three big defensive signings, I think the Packers lean offense with that first pick and take, like I said, Noah Fant. And by the way, as a fantasy podcast, my input on this pick would be that I would have Noah Fant in my top 10 tight ends if he's a Packer 100%. He's a great great late-round flyer, and unlike TJ Hawkinson, he's not an amazing blocker, so he will be running a lot more routes. With the 13th overall pick in the NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins take Dwayne Haskins. Unfortunately for the tank for Tua Dolphins fans, Haskins is on the board at this pick, and Miami does not hesitate to capitalize on his value. Miami starts a new chapter with both a new coach and a quarterback. And for those Tank for Two Dolphins fans, I'm totally with you. If I was a Dolphins fan, I wouldn't want Dwayne Haskins. I don't think he's nearly as good as Tua or another quarterback that they might possibly get in next year's draft. So I would just try and build the base around my quarterback and take a quarterback next year, drop him into a better situation. But I don't think that that's what the Dolphins are going to do if Haskins is on the board. With the 14th overall pick in the NFL draft, the Atlanta Falcons take Montez Sweat. Pass rusher and offensive line are the two biggest needs for the Falcons, and I think they address the pass rusher position right here. Given Sweat has fallen this far, I think he's the pick because the Falcons know they can get an impact lineman in the second offensive lineman. That cannot be said for pass rushers because after quarterback, pass rusher is the most premium position and goes off the board extremely fast. Brian Burns could also be an option here, but Sweat ends up being the pick because of his physical traits. 15th pick for the NFL draft, the Washington Redskins take... Okay, first, I want to explain why they don't take a quarterback. They trade for Case Keenum, draft a rookie quarterback, and next year Alex Smith is possibly healthy. That sounds like a lot of mess to sort out and a lot of money invested into the quarterback position. I'm banking on the Redskins realizing it is not a good quarterback class and that avoiding one and seeing what happens with Alex Smith for one year is the right move. Worst case scenario, they are terrible this year, Alex Smith can never play again, and they draft a quarterback that is actually pretty good next year. That said, remember the pass rusher premium? Well, that comes into play now where the Redskins grab the last one in this tier. Burns is a really good player, and at 15, that's exactly what you hope for. With the 16th pick in the NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers take offensive tackle Andre Dillard. Now, if Brian Burns is there, I think they definitely take him, or Montez Sweat. They would love to get a pass rusher, but that tier, that first two tiers is gone. So I think they're going to go get a pass protector. The Panthers have spent their last two first-round picks on a receiving running back and a wide receiver. In this year's draft, they grab what may be the best press protector in order to give Cam Newton more time to get those guys the ball, being Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. At 17, 
I have the Giants taking Daniel Jones. Now, if David Gettleman was smart, he would take an offensive lineman, presumably Jonah Williams, and then draft a good quarterback next year with what should be a decently high pick as their team should once again struggle. On a quick Giants tangent, imagine this, right? Giants grab Jonah Williams, add that to Devin White, and a very solid wide receiver that they get in this year's second round, and then you drop your 2020 rookie quarterback, so next year's rookie quarterback that they draft, behind a decent or possibly even good offensive line, and surround him with weapons for success in Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and whatever wide receiver they get in this year's second. Since I don't have evidence to show me that Dave Gettleman is the smartest, I think they take Jones, especially with all the hype around the pair recently. But who knows, maybe Gettleman will surprise me. But I think Daniel Jones is the pick for the Giants at 17. With the 18th overall pick in the NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select offensive tackle Jonah Williams. The inexplicable Jonah slide stops here, and the Vikings are extremely happy about it. You can play him at tackle or move him into guard. He can play in a lot of spots. Now, there was the problem with him saying, I'm a tackle and that's what I'm going to play. But I'm sure once he gets his paycheck, he won't whine about where on the offensive line you want to put him. Kirk Cousins will be happy. Dalvin Cook will be happy. And so will the rest of the offense. I think Jonah Williams is the pick if he's there for the Vikings at 18. The Tennessee Titans pick at 19, and they're in an interesting position. In this mock draft, Brian Burns and Noah Fant are gone, and those are the two most commonly mocked players to them. They also need to figure out if Marcus Mariota is their future at quarterback, which means the talent they surround him with needs to be NFL-ready. And, with that said, I think they take wide receiver A.J. Brown. This is because he's the most pro-ready day-one starter at the wide receiver position. With the 20th overall pick in the NFL draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers select DK Metcalf, wide receiver from Mississippi. The Steelers have met with a lot of high-profile receivers and corners this year, and they love what is on the board. No corners have gone yet, and only one receiver, A.J. Brown, right before his teammate. I think the Steelers would like to wait on wide receiver and use this class's depth to their advantage, but with Metcalf on the board, he's the one wide receiver they cannot pass up. This is because while they develop receivers as good as any other team in the league, you cannot develop the intangibles that DK Metcalf owns, which is his 4-3-3 speed on a 6-3 body with a vertical of 41 inches. And we all have seen the picture. We all know how strong he is. That stuff is not stuff that can be developed. So if you take the Steelers wide receiver development and put that with DK Metcalf, you can easily, as long as he stays healthy, end up with a generational wide receiver. This may be the best place for DK Metcalf as well in terms of him personally. And I think he would have the best career trajectory here, (laughs) excuse me, and uh, as well as development. If I'm in a dynasty or keeper league, I would pounce on DK Metcalf if he goes to the Steelers. Whatever his ADP is, because I know it's not going to be too high, whatever it is, I'm taking him one round earlier. I'm making sure I get DK in Dynasty or Keeper Leagues. Redraft, not so much because he's still pretty raw, and I don't think they're going to develop him as fast as they did. Example, Juju Smith-Schuster. He was a lot more pro-ready when he came into the draft than DK Metcalf was. All right, the Seattle Seahawks 
are picking at 21. So the Seahawks have those two great, great drafts in the past 10 years. The one where they had Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and Bruce Irvin, and then the other one where they had Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and I think they had a, a good alignment. They've had two really solid bomb drafts, right? But the past few drafts have been, in my opinion, terrible. And Chris Carson is a beast. And they draft Rashad Penny in the first round last year. I mean, I had two problems with that. They took Rashad Penny in the first when they could have got him in the second. And they took Rashad Penny in the first when there were so many good defensive players on the board that filled needs there for them. And were also, if you're doing best player available, better than Rashad Penny. Um, and they're not even playing him as the starter. So I would like to say before this pick that the Seattle Seahawks are have become hard to predict with their picks. But I have them taking, with the 21st overall pick, cornerback Byron Murphy. Seattle could really use another corner, especially one in the slot. With their pick of the crop, they go with Byron Murphy, who can play anywhere well, including the slot. I was tempted to put Greedy Williams here, especially because of his size and imagining them develop him, but I'm not sure that they have him higher on their draft board than Byron Murphy. With the 22nd overall pick, the Baltimore Ravens take wide receiver Hakeem Butler. While I may not think that Hakeem Butler is the best wide receiver on the board, I think he's the best receiver on the board that fits for what the Ravens are trying to do. The Ravens have been a somewhat hard-to-predict team for me these past couple of years, much like the Seahawks. Last year, they passed up on Calvin Ridley when wide receiver was clearly a need to draft a 25-year-old tight end who was not nearly the caliber of prospect as Calvin Ridley was. Then they drafted another tight end not long after. Hopefully this time around, they grab a wide receiver to help out Lamar Jackson, one with a big catch radius to help with the occasional inaccurate or errant throw. This would help Lamar Jackson, but I won't have any fantasy shares of Hakeem Butler. With the 23rd overall pick, the Houston Texans finally help protect Deshaun Watson. They take offensive tackle Cody Ford. The Texans need O-line help, specifically at tackle. Luckily, Cody Ford drops right in their laps. It's year three in the Deshaun Watson era, and protecting him is still a problem. Hopefully, this solves that problem. The Oakland Raiders, at 24, take Greedy Williams. He has massive potential given his size, length, and speed, and is too intriguing to pass up. They are on the fence right now, at this pick, between him and Josh Jacobs, but I trust that Mike Mayock knows running backs are much easier to scout and find later on in the draft than corners are. They hope that Josh Jacobs falls to 27, but if not, there are other players that they like and they know they can get. So the Oakland Raiders take Greedy Williams. With the 25th overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles take Chauncey Gardner-Johnson safety. Philly is tempted to take Josh Jacobs, but they feel at ease with Jordan Howard and company, which, speaking of Jordan Howard, that was a great trade for them. And then they take the player that happens to fill their biggest void, and that's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Chauncey will give their secondary a boost and help bring them back to being a great defense. And also remember, their secondary was extremely decimated with injury last year at the corner position specifically. So with a healthy secondary and then adding Chauncey, I think their defense can get back up to top five. The Indianapolis Colts at 26 take Christian Christian Wilkins 
interior defensive line. I think the decision here is between both of the Clemson guys. There's Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins. I think Christian Wilkins is the better one, and I trust Chris Ballard knows that. He's done a great job drafting so far, and I think that trend continues. The Oakland Raiders are picking at 27, and what do you know, Josh Jacobs fell to them. They're stoked that he did, and run in the card immediately. He can do everything, and unlike most first-round running backs, has very little tread on his tires. They now have a well-rounded offense with Carr, A.B., Tyrell Williams, and Josh Jacobs. If Carr doesn't work out, they'll have a decent supporting cast for a rookie quarterback in the future. This would be a decent spot for Jacobs fantasy-wise, too, and I could see him as a back-end RB2 in PPR leagues. With the 28th pick, the Los Angeles Chargers take Jerry Tillery, interior defensive line. The Chargers are in win-now mode with Rivers aging, and defensive tackles their most pressing need. Jeffrey Simmons may be better in the long run, and he's on the board here too for them to pick, but knowing he will miss most of his rookie season because of his ACL tear, the Chargers opt for Jerry Tillery, who's a solid player that solidifies what may be one of the best defensive lines in the league. With the 29th pick in the NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs take Cullen Farrell, or Farrell, I'm actually not sure exactly how you say it. The Chiefs had the league's best and most explosive offense last year. That side of the ball is not a problem. The defense is. They ha- they need a big influx of talent, and that's really the only thing that was holding them back last year. Pharrell fits a need and may be a steal this late in the draft. I remember earlier in the year, he was regarded as a top 10 pick, and he was commonly mocked in the top 10. So with him slipping down to 29, I think they take him. With the second Green Bay Packers pick in this draft at 30th overall, the Packers continue to bolster their defense and take safety Nasir Adderley. A healthy Aaron Rodgers, along with all their free agent signings that were on the defensive side of the ball, sets the Packers to make a deep playoff run as long as the coach is halfway decent. And this... This is also fantasy-related, but hopefully the coach does not split carries evenly between Aaron Jones and James Williams as he claims, and as he did in Tennessee with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis until the end of the season. Um, The Packers will be a better team if Aaron Jones is clearly the lead back, and also for us fantasy owners, we want Aaron Jones to get priority in that offense. We want to see what he can do, so that would be a win-win. At pick 31, the Los Angeles Rams take a big, strong corner who can be a strong starter and also can be groomed by Akib Talib and Marcus Peters. That's Amani Oruwarie from Penn State. And with the last pick in the NFL draft of the first round, the New England Patriots take Jeffrey Simmons, interior defensive line. Belichick knows how to find value, and he does so here. The Patriots are content getting a top 10 talent with the 32nd pick, even if he won't play most of the season. He will be back in time for the playoffs, which we all know the Patriots are going to make, and they can find solid weapons for Brady later on in the draft. The wide receivers in this draft, I think, are pretty deep. The position's pretty deep. Um, The best wide receiver in this draft might not be as good as the best receiver in other drafts, but there are 10 to 15 guys I think can make solid rookie impacts. And with most of them still on the board, I don't think the Patriots are going to take one here at 32. They're going to take Jeffrey Simmons. He can be a building block 
for the coming eight years at the position for them and think that's the best way to go. So with that, you have my 2019 NFL mock draft. And I do want to say before I go that mock drafts are extremely difficult in the NFL. And I'm thinking I'll probably get around seven player team matches, correct? Um, usually in mock drafts, I when I look for accuracy in past uh, mock drafts by other analysts and stuff, I usually just look to see if they match the player with the right team, not so much the right pick because trades happen all the time, little move backs and move ups. Um, so I really don't care about where that person is picked. I just care if he got picked by the team that was mocked. And so last year, I think I remember it was Daniel Jeremiah. He had the most accurate mock draft in terms of player team matches. I think he had seven. Well, last year my mock draft had six matches, so I'm hoping to beat that this year. And with that, that is the end of this podcast. I hope you guys have a good one and tune in to the NFL Draft on Thursday at 8. It's going to be a good one.